Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to a special year-end episode of the Kennedy Mile Report, episode 45, brought to you by our sponsor, Clio, with a special welcome to our brand new sponsor, LexisNexis. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Last podcast, we talked about the tech challenges facing mid-sized law firms. In this episode, we want to have some fun, take a look back at 2010, and pay homage to a podcast that really inspired this podcast. Tom, you want to tell them what we'll be doing? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we're going to pay tribute to one of our favorite sports podcasts, ESPN's Pardon the Interruption. In the spirit of PTI, we'll be discussing the top legal tech topics of 2010, playing the odds makers, having a little wordplay, and ending up with a big finish. But first, the top legal tech topics of the past 12 months. Dennis. Well, Tom, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg is... Time Magazine's Person of the Year. There are 500 million Facebook users, and I sort of feel like I've seen 5 million articles saying lawyers must use social media. Is social media the legal tech topic of the year? I've got to tell you, I'm, I am sick and tired of hearing about social media. It's easily the most overhyped technology this year. I, granted that Mark Zuckerberg is, is Facebook's man of the year. Lawyers are being told left and right that they must use social media to market their practice or they're going to suffer as a result. And out-of-work lawyers are now starting to proclaim themselves as social media gurus, and they promise to help lawyers learn how to tweet or create a Facebook page, which doesn't seem all that hard to me. I admit... I'm as big a user of social media as the next person, but I have to say I'm pretty sick and tired of the mania surrounding it. Am I the only one here who is? No, well, Tom, I don't, I don't think so. But part of it, I think, is that we've been around social media for a long time. You mentioned to me that you found a blog post of yours that, that talked about how we got on LinkedIn, I think, six, um, at least six years ago, maybe closer to seven years ago. So it seems like it's been around. I've noticed a big change, though, over time. So I've done a lot of, it seems like almost all the speaking I've done this year has been on social media for lawyers. And it's really interesting to see the change in usage when I I surveyed the audience, but people don't have a good understanding of how to use social media. And what I think is disappointing in a way, as you said, there are a lot of experts and they, everything seems to be very prescriptive. Here's how you have to do it. You must do that. I think we're in this big experimentation phase. I mean, I go back to the early days of blogging. It was all experimenting. And I wish we'd see more focus on experiment and, and more discussion of what, what doesn't work and what people have tried rather than saying, you must do this and you must do this. In this way. You know, I, I totally agree. I, I think that social media is something that uh, that lawyers need to understand how they're going to use on their own. I don't think there's a one size fits all for everyone. I think there are some general rules that we need to be able to follow, but uh, but there definitely uh, are, are different ways for lawyers to approach social media. Um, and, and having people come in and say, you must do this and must do that just isn't right. Let's turn to what I think is a better choice for 2010 legal tech topic of the year, and that's cloud computing. It seems that everywhere you turn this past year, lawyers are being beat over the head with cloud computing, but I think in a, in a good way. 
Is cloud computing really the must-have technology of 2010, Dennis? Now I'm now I'm going to feel like the grumpy old man on on the podcast with this one, but it's partially because I've been a fan of cloud computing, you know, back to the days of application service providers in the late '90s, and I really love the technology um, and and what it does for us. So I think it's not so much that it's the must-have technology, but I think you need to think of cloud computing as really becoming part of the whole portfolio of of technology you you must use, and so. I think we're seeing this movement away from actual software installed on the computer to services, software services in the cloud, as they say, things that we access over the Internet. And I think it's an exciting series of developments, but I think it's been with us for a while. There is a lot of uh, big knowledge base of what works and doesn't that uh, people need to become familiar with. And uh, I just think it's it's a great area, but I think people need to kind of step back, um, not see it as so new. I mean, really, a lot of law firms, I've, it's kind of interesting. I see a lot of law firms who've used Lexus for research for years and years and years, and they will say they're they're afraid of using cloud computing, and they're worried about all these concerns where they've been, in a way, using the cloud uh, for legal research for, for many years. You know, what makes cloud computing so interesting to me is that it's not just about the technological features and, and the possibilities that lawyers can make out of them and, and what they can do using these new technologies. Um, you know, there are a lot of other issues that lawyers need to consider before investing in a cloud computing product, primarily from a security-related standpoint. Um, you know, I think most legal technology cloud providers have done a great job over the past year in satisfying their customers that the cloud option is secure. But that doesn't mean that the questions don't need to be asked. That doesn't mean that we can stop uh, asking those questions. We need to still be doing our due diligence. There are a lot of ethical issues to be uh, considered here when we think about cloud computing. We're seeing even more cloud computing-based tools for lawyers that are now entering the market these days. In fact, some new ones that we've been previewing, I've been previewing over the past week. It means a lot of new opportunities, but it also means many more things that lawyers have to examine carefully. Yeah, so I, I think people need to pay attention to this. If there's one area that you're going to focus on uh, for legal technology going forward, the, cl- the cloud area is a great one. But I got to say, it's really a subset of cloud computing that got most of our attention in 2010. And probably if you did a, a word search of our podcast for this year, you would find that the phrase mobile platform uh, really came up highly in the in the terms that we used over the last year. Um Tom, do you think the mobile platform is is really a big topic for lawyers these days? You know, considering the predictions that most people will be accessing their online content from a a smartphone or from a small mobile device within the next few years, I think companies are smart to have solid mobile options. Um, The Apple App Store, one of the great technology (laughs) achievements of the past year or two, they proved that mobile applications are must-have for people with iPhones, and and as you can see, the Android and BlackBerry rushed to roll out their own app stores uh, in response. I think that pretty soon most mobile content is going to be available via an app, which makes apps, if not the tech tool of the year, one of the, the important ones of this year. For me, the best part of mobile technology is the ability to access all of your information, no matter where you happen to be and no matter what device you happen to be using. I I really think that that is what's revolutionizing the way lawyers are working these days. You know, what's funny is I I think the the mobile platform is huge. And if you just look around, you see that you see 
everybody accessing the internet over, over smartphones these days. And it's kind of funny to me that often it seems like people are telling me, why don't you look that up on the internet on your phone? Or they see that the phone I have, which is my personal phone, a flip BlackBerry, they say, why don't you have a smartphone so you can get on the internet, even though I, I can get on the internet. So I think this really is is big. And as you said, the apps um, have really changed uh, the approach to the internet that we have. I think there's some really interesting implications of that that will will become apparent in the next couple of years. But I think that sort of being connected everywhere, having full access to do the thing, the work I want to do is huge. And, and uh, mobile platform, to me, is the topic of the year for uh, for 2010. You know, I think you're right. I think that, that I don't go anywhere without my iPhone and where people used to make fun of me at dinner or when we're out somewhere for having my iPhone with me and pulling it out whenever I needed to, uh, to, to whenever there was a, a question that needed to be answered. Now they rely on that. And, and if, and if I don't have it, then they're actually looking it up themselves. I've also become kind of a snob at using only apps that are built for that platform. If, if something uh, is on the internet where I have to go to a browser on my iPad, I'd really rather, I wonder why they're not an app for this. It would make things so much easier. But you know, all of these topics we've talked about so far lead us to the one big topic, which I think is is kind of in, in behind all these t topics that we've been discussing so far, and that's collaboration. It wasn't a huge outstanding topic this year in terms of news headlines, but I still think it's one of the biggest technology ideas around. Why do you think that is, Dennis? Well, Tom, I think largely it's due to our book on collaboration tools. But um, <laughs> of course, you know, in, our, in our book, we really said that law, the legal profession, by its very nature, is collaborative. And so I think that uh, that whole notion of collaboration, how do we work together on documents? How do we work together in different from different places from around the world to do different things and, and have common access to get work done is just huge. That's collaboration. I think that it's sort of like electricity and air. It's just part of technology these days. And so uh, I think more and more uh, sort of explicitly the collaboration features of 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 the different software tools and other tools we use. That's what cloud computing is really based on is collaboration technologies. That's what it offers to us. So I think that collaboration, I think we were right in picking the topic for a book, Tom, frankly. I, I do too. And, you know, people have asked me over the last year, what are, what are the hot new collaboration tools? And I have to really think to come up with something new because the fact is they're really I don't think been any true revolutions in collaboration tools over the past year. What what really has happened, I think, is that collaboration tools, they continue to improve. They continue to get better, the ones we've had for a number of years. And we've started to see collaboration or sharing features pop up in more and more software releases and more and more websites. I think as cloud computing and the mobile platform continue to catch on, I think we're going to start to see a corresponding increase if we aren't already in collaboration. I think it will just get easier and easier to do. You know, Tom, I think I always come back to the same same point that a lot of people think technology is about technology and technology for technology's sake. I think technology is always about people and it's about communication and what work you can get done together. That's collaboration. That's where I think, uh, you know, sort of at long last, technology has really started to take us. Tom, what's next? Now it's time for Odds Makers, Dennis, where Dennis and I predict the future for some of the big tech headlines of 2010. And then I win. Dennis, what are the odds that lawyers will be using LinkedIn to enhance their chances of getting a job next year? 
Well, in part, this is based on the economy, of course. But I, I, what I've noticed in the speaking I've done is that that lawyers really use LinkedIn, and that's the, probably the one social media tool that they use. Uh, and you can use it to put a profile up. To, uh, there's a great new I saw this great new utility that will allow you to take your LinkedIn profile and to print it out as a formatted resume. Uh, recruiters are saying that uh, uh, LinkedIn is taking the place of the traditional resume. I'm saying that perhaps as many as seventy percent. Of, of lawyers will use LinkedIn uh, specifically in in all aspects of use, including, I think, more important in some ways than the resume to connect and reconnect to people they know. You know, I think that 2011 will definitely be a better year than 2010 for legal employment. I, I, there's not much, much not much, uh, not a different way we can go but up on this one. But, you know, that may only mean that more and more law school graduates will be taking the solo path. But whether they're opening their own practice or, or joining a larger firm, I, I really agree with you. I think LinkedIn is going to increase as a source that lawyers use to seek employment or to enhance their chances of getting jobs. I, I think that I've always thought of LinkedIn as being an online resume. It's the perfect place for it, and it has a great format, very simple and easy to use. And, and the fact that LinkedIn has had this, added this feature, I think, only confirms that. Um, I, I think I'm going to go high on this one. I'm going to say 90% of lawyers uh, are going to be using, those who use LinkedIn are going to be using it more to get jobs and to enhance their, uh, their um, chances of employment over the coming year. I like you being an optimist, Tom. Where, you're our I, iPad user. What are the odds that tablets will catch fire for lawyers and firms in 2010? 2011, I'm sorry. They're, they're already catching fire in many other industries. You know, banking, medicine. I've been reading lots of stories where other industries are starting to adopt iPads in droves. Um, I, we're just starting to see the debut of many Android tablets, Windows 7 tablets. So it won't just be iPads that are being used. And the form factor of the tablet or the iPad computer are is so useful and so helpful that lawyers, I think, will naturally gravitate to it. We're already hearing... And, and, and understanding that lawyers appreciate the utility of tablets for certain aspects of legal practice, you know, note taking, showing of exhibits at trials, hearings, depositions. But, you know, I still don't think they're the best content creation tools. And that's one of the things that a lawyer does a lot of. And so I think that they're going, there's going to be adoption. I think that security issues may still uh, cause some law firms to hold back. So I'm going to hedge on this one and say 50%. Dennis? Again, you're the optimist. I, I I think that I love tablets. I think there's a great form factor for lawyers. I think that you we always underestimate how difficult it is for lawyers to get new types of technology, especially hardware approved by their IT departments and firms. I'm going low on this one, 10%. Well, you also underestimate the people who are just going to go buy things and start using them like I did in my firm and, and, and also the solos and small firms who don't really need the approval of their IT department to do it. All right, Dennis, what are the odds that lawyers will use more open source software in the coming year? Well, Tom, it's a little bit of a trick question the way you asked that. I would say, first of all, I would say 100% because... Uh, Google 100%. uses Linux and their Linux and their server farms. Most of the internet runs off the Apache web server software. So we're using open source software every day, but I know that's not exactly what you're asking. And, and I think that, uh, 
for utilities, I know, Tom, you're recording on an open source uh, program called Audacity, but there's a lot of things from password keepers to uh, to little utilities that are, are amazingly useful that are open source software. I don't see you think you'll see a lot in the sort of Word or, or Microsoft Office alternatives like OpenOffice, but I think that probably if people step back and look what they're using, either at work or at home, you could see maybe 25% of lawyers using uh, open source software in the coming year? You know, I think that asking this question is a little like asking how many lawyers will start buying and using Macs in the coming year. I think it depends on how lawyers learn about open source, how many lawyers see the benefits of using open source in their practice. Fortunately, because open source products are free, it's definitely easy for them to try the software out. But I really see that education is uh, is necessary before lawyers kind of understand the ability to, to go out there and, and do some experimenting and to learn what tools are out there. And I think that in general, most lawyers are, are, are not in the... Uh, uh, they're not in the, in, the, in the frame of mind to go out and start testing these things out. You know, fortunately, though, you and, 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 and another will be educating lawyers on open source at ABA Tech Show in, uh, in, in April of 2011. So uh, that'll be one way that lawyers can learn more about open source. Um, I'm going to put the number low also. I'm going to say 5%. Well, I would say, Tom, you're sort of optimistic about the, uh, you know, my ability to convince lawyers to try new technologies. But I, you know, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best. So, what are the odds that lawyers will? And you mentioned this before. What are the odds that lawyers will actually start bringing their own computers to work? The sort of bring your own computer uh, topic that we talked about on one of our podcasts next year. You know, I have two answers to this, one for solo and small firms and one for large firms. For solo and small firms, I think they pretty much are, aren't they already? I mean, solo and small firms have a lot more control over the computers that they can use. So I'm going to go high on this and I'm going to say 100%. But if we're talking about large firms, though, it's a different matter. I think most big firms prefer to buy their computers in bulk um, at discounted rates. And, you know, there are some firms, though, that are starting to offer options to their lawyers uh, to have their own computers. So I think this has the potential to help them save on their annual technology budget. So I'm not going to say zero percent. I think I'm going to go about 10 percent. Okay, Tom, I'm going to go a little bit higher. And I, I think so a couple of factors happening here. One, I think cloud computing, which means all you need is a browser to access uh, the tools that you use, play a part. I think the movement toward Macs plays a part, especially in connection with cloud computing. And I think this growing disconnect between the capabilities, if you buy a new computer right now, uh, the separation now between what you're using at home versus what you're using at work is is really starting to be uh, significant. And I think that will have an impact. You see people looking at more creative ways to uh, to run the networks in their law firms and also the, the, the more and more availability of remote computing. So I think we'll, the trend will start, but I think we're probably in the 15% range. So I'm just a little bit higher than you. Well, that's it. Oddsmakers is 100% over, and as usual, I win. Before we move on to our next segment, though, let's take a quick break with a few words from Legal Talk Network and our sponsors, Clio and LexisNexis. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. 
Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, the mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. Well, with cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a, a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Now it's time for a segment called Word Up, where I astound Tom with my renowned flair for word choice and send Tom scrambling for a dictionary. Tom... First, we'll we'll go to you. Lawyers should think of their websites as a blank. Lawyers should think of their websites as a home base. As we talked about in an earlier podcast, your website should be a place where your potential clients and referral sources come to get the important information. But you've got to have outposts. You've got to have places in other locations to guide them back to your site, whether that's Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or Avvo or some other tool. You've got to have other uh, sites that serve as an outpost to point and direct traffic back to your home base. Dennis, what word would you use? I choose the word portal, and I just use this in a slightly different sense than you. And and I think that your presence on the web is a little bit more scattered and spread out. And so you want to look at each of your web presences as a way to point people to all your other web presences. So maybe you don't even have uh, the one main website anymore. It could be a Facebook page or a uh, it could be your blog, could be any number of things that really become what you would call the home base. I think of each of those things as a portal. So portal is my answer. All right. Next word, Dennis, to you. Email is blank. Is broken. I, I, it seems like all of the surprise, development, surprise, social media and, and everything. I know I've used it, it said email is broken more than once this year, but it seems like everything that we see from the ill-fated Google Wave, collaboration technology, social media, everything is done in reaction to email being an, a rickety, unsatisfactory platform to communicate and get work done together. I say that email is misunderstood. 
more and more these days, I think people are using email for the wrong reasons. It's it's a communications tool. It is no more, no less. It's not very good as a collaboration tool. We talked about this in our book. There are better ways to collaborate, although a lot of people still use email for collaboration purposes. It's also a really bad file manager. In my work, I see that a lot of lawyers love to store very important documents inside their email. My wish, if I had a wish this holiday season, would be that lawyers aim to learn more about managing their email in a responsible way, to cut down on the volume of data as well as the number of email messages that happen to be in their inbox. Misunderstood. I like the way you anthropomorphize technology, Tom. There's <laughs> another good word. I, I worked in there. Next one, Very Google's good. role in how lawyers do their job has become blank. It's become ubiquitous. I mean, Google is everywhere, isn't it? You want to send an email, you've got Gmail. You want to create a document or a spreadsheet, you've got Google Docs. You want to do some quick, free legal research, Google Scholar can help you with that. For just about Anything that a lawyer needs to do at work, Google has an answer. It's, it's really scary to me. Dennis, what's your word? I say the word transformative. So, because I think that Google has become this sort of Swiss army knife of tools. And, and I think as you learn more the ways you can use it, some of the advanced search features, some of the Google Docs, some of the tools that we use, some of the things that you mentioned, um, I think it's really kind of changed the way that, that lawyers look for information, connect to things. And, you know, any, any search tool that became a verb has to be a big deal. It transformed a, a noun into a verb. All right. I, I'll, I'll go with that definition. Last word. Last word. The lawyer's fight to resist e-discovery since 2006 has been blank. Victorious. I got to tell you <laughs> that in 2006, when the rules changed, there was nobody who predicted we'd be looking four years later that, that lawyers successfully resisted almost all attempts to, to really bring e-discovery into the regular litigation practice. Um, it's been an amazing uh battle that, that lawyers have waged to try to fight off the, the use of e-discovery and technology as, as part of the litigation process. Um, I, I, it's, it truly amazes me. I could never have predicted this, uh, but they've been wildly victorious in shifting the burden of e-discovery and the decisions about it over to judges and to e-discovery vendors. I say that the lawyer's fight to resist e-discovery has been Peric. I talk to lawyers all the time who boast, just like you're saying, that they have not had to deal much with e-discovery in their practice. Both That's both in-house and outside counsel. But when I ask the question, I, I ask whether is it because you're good or is it just because you're lucky? And I think they're hard pressed to admit that's because they're good. I know a lot of lawyers who know a great deal about e-discovery and know how to respond to an obligation to produce electronically stored information. But for every one lawyer like that, I think there are five who don't really understand the nuances of electronic discovery and they don't care much about it. Sooner or later, I think that's going to change, though. I think judges are already very impatient with lawyers who don't understand e-discovery or even their own client's technology, and I don't think they're going to put up for it that much longer. Well, that's it. Word Up is over, and in a maleficent upset, I win again. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no time to complain, Dennis. It's time for the big finish. 
Dennis, was Microsoft missing in action this year? You know, you see lists of the big tech companies and they say Google, Apple, Amazon. It always seems like people are leaving Microsoft off the list. You don't see law firms talking about uh, Windows 7, Office 2010, although SharePoint takes up a huge amount of mind space. I think Microsoft sort of was missing in action the past year. Good point. Tom, what's the biggest tech lesson you learned this year? I think it's privacy, Dennis. Whatever the tool you're using online, learn and master those privacy settings so that your personal information isn't made public. Dennis, your pick for the best legal software of the year. This is an easy one. Same thing almost every year, Adobe Acrobat. Absolutely. Tom, who gets your vote for the best hardware device of 2010? You know, it's a toss-up for me. I love my iPad, but it's hard to argue against the onslaught of ebook readers. There are dozens on the market now, and ebook sales are absolutely exploding. Dennis, what's your pick for the best blog of 2010? Hey, thanks for mentioning the seventh annual blog awards that probably are <laughs> out by the time people are hearing this. But I, I'm going with Kevin O'Keefe's Real Lawyers Have Blogs this year because of the great job it does covering blogging and social media use by lawyers. Hey, and hey. last time, what was the biggest legal tech development in 2010? You know, I've got to go back and repeat myself and say that the maturation of the cloud computing environment, allowing lawyers to practice law wherever they happen to be, is a huge development in legal technology, and we need to pay attention to it in the coming year. And that's it for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes page at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. We hope you'll pardon the interruption to our usual format and become a regular listener and subscriber to our podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, the Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.